For tonight's podcast, we are going to be talking to Adam Dorband. Adam used to be the youth pastor at the church that we both go to, and he is one of the guys that I would say has had the biggest impact on my walk with Jesus. I did youth ministry under him for quite a few years, uh, led small groups with him, and uh, he was just there for me through a lot of rough times in life, and just a very humble heart, a very down-to-earth guy. Yeah, uh, Pastor Adam is... uh as I got to know him, was definitely, I would say, like a man of integrity. Uh, cool by me for being known to be the same way in church as he is outside of church, which is like really cool. Like as his personality goes, he's just super like exuberant type of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, loves his family. Really loyal to his friends. And like uh, he's really solid on discipleship. Uh, kind of had the honor to serve alongside of him in his life group called Jedi. Being in that group for like uh, a year or so we did a lot of like training on leadership and things like that. And I began to really glean a lot from like, you know, him personally, like him sharing his life with us and a few of the guys here. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool to be able to talk to him again. It's been a while for me, too. So Adam is one of our favorite people. Um, one of the one of the dudes with the most integrity that I know just knows when to talk when necessary and when to just listen. Um, so we just wanted to brag on him a little bit. Um where he couldn't tell us to stop talking him up. <laughs> um, so we'll give him a call. God is definitely not someone that is being preached about in most churches. We tend to think that there is only A and B with God because there's only A and B with us. God's a lover and he's a forgiver, but I think a big misconception is that that's all that God is. God is as just as he is loving. Our minds can't even comprehend how great he is, how big he is, how fast he is. And the Bible tells us that he loves us, he is love, but the Bible also tells us to fear God. He's not our BFF. God is someone that loves us so much that uh, he will remove things out of our life that we hold on to. You do not define God, I do not define God. God is self-defining. God is not a matter of opinion. All right, so we have Adam here. Um, Adam, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what life looks like for you these days? What's up, guys? I live in Colorado, the beautiful Rocky Mountains where it's sunshiny every day, even when it's freezing cold. But uh, what does life look like for me these days? I'm a youth pastor. I've been doing that for a long time, 16, 17 years, something like that. It's crazy. I'm getting old, but... uh, Right now, now I'm working at this church called Mission Hills Church uh, with just middle school kids, which is pretty sweet. We have more fun than anyone else in the church because we're in they're middle schoolers, and so you don't have to try to be serious. You don't. I mean, you got to be serious sometimes, but you don't have to try to like be cool or any of that junk. It's awesome. So I'm hanging out trying to like help middle schoolers meet Jesus and put their life on the right path so they don't end up when they're 15 doing stupid things. They're going to like take them off, off the path that they should be going with their life. And yeah. And I just think that, um, when you see a kid who's like 12, who like actually connects with God for real and gets it, it like changes the whole trajectory of their life. And it's awesome. So anyways, we got a whole bunch of middle school kids that we're trying to lead to Jesus and help them lead their friends to Jesus. So that's what I'm doing. I have a wife who's stinking amazing. I've got three little kids, one four-year-old, two six-year-olds. And so our house is wild, all boys, and we're having fun. So Adam, were you part of like a solid uh, youth ministry as a kid when you were in like middle school? I remember glimpses of doing stuff at a church, you know, and and it was fun. Yeah, it was definitely not like what what I'm doing now, but uh, it was it was good and it was fun. But like for me, um, when I was going through middle school and high school, I became obsessed with sports, and so I would like went to church, loved God, would say that God was number one in my life, but actually sports were number one in my life because they're the thing that controlled my life. And so I'd be like, yeah, I love Jesus. And I went to church and everything, but it was kind of like a, I don't know. It wasn't the thing controlling my life, if that makes sense. Hmm. So can you walk us through a little bit about like uh, your story of coming to God and your background growing up? Sure. Um, so I 
let's see, I grew up in Colorado actually also, and when I was a little kid, I don't even remember the age, but maybe first grade, kindergarten-ish age, my parents got divorced. And so a little bit after that, uh, when you're a little kid, you don't really totally get what that means even, but um, <clears throat> so a little bit after that, my mom decided to start taking us to church, me and my brother and sister, and I was like, dang it, this sucks, mom, I'm going to stay home and watch TV. I don't want to go to church, you know? <laughs> um well, eventually, uh, after, I guess one day I actually was paying attention in church, and I'm sitting there, I'm a kid, you know, maybe eight years old, and the teacher's talking to us about uh, presents, you know, it's like, right at, when we're recording this podcast, it's almost Christmas, like my kids, they're stoked about all these presents they're going to get, right? So, I'm in church, and the teacher says, hey, if somebody gave you a present, would you take it? And I'm like, well, duh, who wouldn't? If I gave you a gift, of course you'd take it. So, she said, well, God's offering you this gift, and it's called eternal life. Do you want it? And I'm like, well, yes. <laughs> Probably every kid in the class was like, well, yeah, come on, hook me up. She said, all you got to do is believe in Jesus, and you get this gift called eternal life. And so I was like, oh, sweet, I, I want it, you know. And I, re I honestly believe that at that time that I put my, my trust in Christ, and I believed in, in Jesus and what he did on the cross, and that he rose from the dead, and I asked him to forgive my sins. But didn't totally get what all that meant you know it's like one thing to like in your brain acknowledge oh yeah i believe in jesus another thing to like actually have a relationship with him so if, if you fast forward in my story life goes on and i'm like yeah cool i i know god i'm a christian um when i got into middle school age i started going to these summer camps uh went to this camp where basically if you've never been to a summer camp it's kind of like as much fun as possible and as much Jesus as possible crammed into one week. So we'd have church like three times a day and all this stuff. Anyways, at those, at that camp, I started to actually understand what it meant to like have a relationship with God, to like have a friendship with God and what that was. And so I, I was like, dude, this is awesome. Like this is way more than I thought it was when I was eight, you know? And so I'd come home from camp all like fired up, like, yeah, I'm going to tell my whole school about Jesus. And, you know, what would happen is a month into the school year, my faith would kind of, not like I didn't believe anymore, but it would just like the excitement and the passion would kind of fade down because you're in middle school and you love Jesus and kids are mean to you and they make fun of you and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, then like I, I mentioned a second ago, I got into high school and still was, was going to church, was loving God. Back up, I told you my parents got divorced. Uh, then around third grade, they like got remarried back to each other. Well, then around right before I was starting high school, right the summer before ninth grade, my mom sits us down one day and she's like, hey guys, uh, your dad and I are getting divorced. And I'm like, what? When I was, fir the first time it happened, I'm like five. I didn't totally get it. This time I'm like 15, right? Or 14. And I, like, I'm like, what the heck? I thought you guys loved God and followed God and what what's the deal? And I was I was mad, I was also hurt and sad and all that kind of stuff, you know, that like you're a fourteen year old and your parents are getting divorced, you're like, This sucks. Um but I just like dove I'm like, Okay, whatever and dove all in with my sports. And so I did I played football, I did wrestling, I did track, and I raced mountain bikes. And so I was just going crazy into sports. Like I mentioned a second ago, like I was obsessed with, with not just with sports, but with winning and being the best I could be and all that kind of stuff related. And so I loved God and would say God was, was number one in my life, but really the sports is what controlled my life. Any time there was a conflict between sports and anything to do with my relationship with God, the sports won. If it was practice, if it was a game, if it was training, if it was whatever – like that controlled my life. So I uh, went all the way through high school and legitimately like, I, I feel like I, I had a relationship with God and I loved God through high school, but just wasn't like all in, I guess you could say. With God, I would say that I was all in, but when I look back on it, I'm like, gosh, no. <laughs> like the God of my life was wanting to be successful in sports. If I remember right i'm probably off but did you have a concussion that kind of like made uh, you yeah. more vocal or yeah. maybe i'm remembering it wrong but yeah so 
so I'm all into sports, right? And I'm going through high school. It's my senior year of high school. It's like the, you know, your senior year. This is it, man. Uh, this is your chance to be the star or whatever. So it's, and I get a concussion in the very beginning of football season. It's like this scrimmage, I think it was, like before even our first game, right at the beginning of my senior year. I get knocked in the head. I can't remember three days of life during that time. And I come back. Uh, I would just wake up in my bed one day, really, and I'm like real confused. Like, what the heck is going on? Where am I? Why was I sleeping? I don't remember going to sleep, but I'm, I'm waking up. It was weird. And anyways, they claim, people who know me and love me claim that that concussion changed my personality. You know, I was into sports, but I was like really the shy kid, like really like introvert. I wouldn't talk to, I mean, I talked to people who were like in my family and friends, but most introverts still do that. Uh, but then what happens, I get this concussion, they claim it changed my personality, you know, and I was, my memory was jacked up for a few weeks, but it kind of came back and um, I don't know. So they say I changed from being not wanting to talk to people to actually talking to people. I don't know if it was a concussion. I don't know if this was God. I graduate high school. I ditch all my three of my sports. And I'm going to go to the fourth one, which is mountain bike racing. So I sign up, uh, apply to go to college, this place called Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado. It's like up in the mountains of Colorado. It's one of like the mountain biking meccas of America, really. And they got like the best mountain bike racing team in the country. So I'm like, Really, I'm going to college to get an education, but really I'm going there to race my mountain bike. And so I'm all signed up, ready to rock on that. Well, in the middle of that summer, every year my church would take a mission trip down to Mexico. And every summer they'd be like, Adam, you got to come with us to this this mission trip. We're going to this orphanage. We're going to help these kids. It's awesome. And I'd be like, dude, uh, sorry, I got football camp. I can't go to the mission. Like, I love God and I want to go and it sounds cool, but sorry. Like I said, sports always won. So, well, I graduate, and I'm like, wait a second. I'm not playing college football, so now I don't have football camp anymore. So I'm going to go to that mission trip to Mexico. They've been bugging me for four years. I finally am like, all right, I'm going. So I go on this trip. It's one of the first times in my life that within the church context that I was actually serving others rather than being served by the church. You know, normally I'd go to church to get fed, to get served, to get whatever I could get out of it. Now I'm all of a sudden it's flipped and I'm going to give to these other people in Mexico. And something about that, that like when you start to look at your relationship with God, where it's not all about like you and what you can get and, and actually do what the Bible says and serve other people. Oh, it like changed it. Literally that trip changed my life because during that trip, one of the things that happened is uh, God spoke to me, and I, I, I honestly believe that during that trip, he called me and said, Adam, I want you to spend your life being a youth pastor. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me, God? Like, I don't know how to talk in front of people. I don't know how to be a pastor. Like, what? I was kind of freaked out, but I, like, I was convinced, like, this is God speaking to me. And so I'm nervous and I'm freaked out. I'm like, God, I don't know how to do this and do that. I'm listing off all these things that I'm not good at doing, which in my mind, I picture a youth pastor needs to be good at these things. And I remember uh, God saying to me, like, hey, Adam, if you'll trust me and obey me in this uh, and do it, I'll grow in you those things that you don't have so that you can do what I've called you to do. And I'm like, okay. And so I come home from this, this mission trip and I tell my mom, like, hey, mom, I think think maybe God wants me to be a youth pastor. And so I think I need to change colleges because in this is like three weeks before I started college and my mom's like, I knew you were going to say something like this, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I, so I'm, we're kind of freaking out for a minute there, but we, we realized, you know what, your first year of college, it doesn't matter if you're at a Bible college or at a, whatever. It doesn't, it like math class is math class, no matter if it's at Harvard or if it's the community college. Right. So I, was, well, I decided, you know, I'm just going to stick where I'm going. I'm going to go to Fort Lewis and race my mountain bike um, for my freshman year, and then I'll figure it out from there. And so I go to Fort Lewis College, jump back in. Like, rather than doing all these different sports, now I'm focusing everything on my mountain bike racing. And so I go to this college, and 
I'm training like crazy to try. I want to like, as a freshman, I want to make the mountain, like the varsity mountain biking team or whatever it's called. So, so I make it and it, it's awesome and all this stuff happens and it's this really cool experience. But that whole time, this battle begins to start in my heart, I guess, because God had said, Adam, I want you to, to be a youth pastor. But then I started to battle this, uh, not battle, but I had my, my own desire that said, oh, maybe, maybe I could make it as a professional mountain bike racer. Like maybe I've got what it takes to like be the, one of the best in the world at bike racing. I, I'm like thinking I'm at one of the best colleges in the world for mountain bike racing and I made the team. So maybe I got a chance. And so, um, but then in the back of my mind, it's like God is saying, Hey, I got this other thing for you. I got something different for you. So for that whole year of college, it was a year where I was, you know, I moved away from home and everybody that I knew. So like everybody that I knew was like people I was meeting at college, but I really dove in with my relationship with God, A and B. I jumped into a church in that town and started serving in the youth ministry. Cause I was like, Hey, if I want to be a youth pastor, I should start serving in youth ministry. So I jump in, I start volunteering at a church and with a, uh, being just a volunteer youth leader, you know, and through that, uh, God started to, I don't know, you could change my heart that winter. It's the middle of winter. I'm riding, I'm training on my bike, like more than I ever have in my life. I was riding an average that winter of like 30 hours a week. Wow pedaling my bicycle it's a lot of you know sore butts you know i don't know but i'm riding my bike I'd, it'd be like every day i'd go to class and I'd ride for like four hours so i'd go to class and ride for like five hours or uh, it was crazy so over the course of that year i've got to get more and more involved in this youth ministry and i got this group of guys like a small group life group type thing that i started to get to know and they started to invite me like, hey, Adam, you got to come with us on Saturday. We're going to go do paintballing. Or Adam, you got to come with us. We're going to go do whatever on on this day. And I'd be like, oh, you guys, I totally want to. But Saturday's my long day. I got to ride for eight hours straight. I'm not going to be able to go paintballing with you. And they're like, oh, bummer. So, I, so anyways, all that to say, I'm riding along one day, and this thought crosses my mind um, of like, dang it, I, I, I kind of wish that I were like, hanging out with those guys from from the youth group right now. And it almost like shocked me. Like it was like, what? I've never been on my bike and had a thought, I wish I were doing something else other than this. Even when I was suffering on my bike, this is what was the passion of my life. You know, I was racing my bike. And so I was like, oh, that, that was a weird thought. And I try to like, I'm like, ignore that and push it away, you know? Um, but over the, this began to happen. And, and so anyways, Long story short, I was still seeking God like crazy. I was just I'm – I'm alone at college trying to serve God, trying to be a, this sweet mountain bike racer. But I'm also just growing like crazy in my own relationship with God at that time. And it, it was it was cool. Like you go to a – when you go to a college where you're uh, living on campus and it's not a Christian school, if you follow Jesus, you're either like all in or, or you just – decide not to follow Jesus because it's like there's no room for like halfway following Jesus in that sort of environment because it's like if you say you follow Jesus people think you're an idiot for it and they'll tell you why they think you're an idiot and you'll have professors that tell you you're dumb to believe the Bible blah 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 all that to say that it was like I'm either going to be go all in with Jesus or just say peace out so I went all in and I was growing in God and, and my faith was coming alive like never before and I'm praying and I'm worshiping and I'm doing all these things right um so over the course of that um year God began to shift my heart so that I jump in at the end of that school year I jump into this internship with another church um where I'm just gonna be a youth pastor intern for the summer and at the beginning of that internship I remember one of the pastors at that church told me he said Adam if you're gonna be a youth pastor it's got to become the passion of your life and I'm like, oh, okay. Problem was at that moment, it still wasn't the passion of my life. It was like beginning to awaken in me, but really it was still like mountain bike racing was what was the passion of my life. And so I was like, oh, shoot. Uh, what am I going to do? You know, so I was like, well, whatever. I signed up to do this internship. I'm going to do it, you know. Um, so I do that. I just go crazy. I mean, this was, 
I don't know, people do internships for different reasons. I just was like, I want to serve God. So I jump in and literally I was staying at my mom's house. So free rent, all that kind of stuff. So I didn't have many bills to pay. She gave me food and all that. And so I just literally was like, didn't have another job. So I probably spent a hundred hours a week doing youth ministry that summer. Oh, wow. I was just like, I was, I'm going to do this all day, every day and just start serving and doing planning events and trips. And I didn't know what I was doing at all. And I got a lot of parents mad at me and did a lot of dumb things, but really connected with kids and all my stuff I did probably sucked, but God used it and God worked in my heart. And by the end of that summer it was crazy. By the end of that summer, I gradually started like riding my bike less and less. There was this one trip that we took where I went like two weeks straight without riding my bike. What was cool about it is like, I didn't, I wasn't freaking out. Normally, if I went two days without riding my bike, I'd be like freaking out like a smoker who doesn't get to get a cigarette for like two days. They're like, Argh. they're freaking out. I was like that with riding my bike, you know. I mean, I could take one day off, like my rest day, because that was okay. You need to rest. But beyond that, it was not good. So I'm going, I went two weeks without riding because I was away from my bike and I didn't really miss it because I was doing youth ministry doing this mission trip thing and these couple different things and I was like whoa it kind of surprised me I got home and I'm like dude I haven't ridden my bike for two weeks and it didn't like freak me out I'm like this is weird and because God had began to shift my heart more towards serving him with youth ministry than riding my bike you know so anyways by the end of that summer um, I, I felt like I could honestly say like wow I think youth ministry is becoming like the passion of my life. Like this is what God told me he wanted me to do. And now it, this is, this is what I want to do. I wasn't just doing it like, okay, God, if you say so, I'll obey you. I was like, dude, like this is what I want to do with my free time. It was cool. And so then I, then I switched colleges, transferred to this place called Colorado Christian university, which is in uh, near Denver, Colorado and served there or went to school there for the next three years, got a degree in youth ministry, continued to serve all through college. And really like youth ministry became like the passion of my life. And I've literally been doing it ever since, like since that internship I was telling you about, like until today, that was back in, that was like 17, that was like 18 years ago when that internship happened, maybe more, yeah, around 18 years ago. And uh, I, ever since then, I've just been pretty much all I've been doing is youth ministry. I mean, I do a few other things, but for the most part, that has become the passion of my life. And it's like, it's like I believe it's what God wants me to do, but it's also like what I want to do. It's not like, dang it, I got to go to work today. It's like if I had a billion dollars, I would probably still do this. I would do it even if I didn't get paid because that's like the passion of my life. Now, were there times in the early days that you uh, kind of had a conflict of like, what am I doing here in youth ministry? Or was there always kind of a confidence of, oh, I know this is what God's calling me to? The whole first year was kind of like an experiment, I guess you <laughs> yeah. could say. The more early on was like, A, part of it was just like, I'd never done it before. So I just felt like I don't know what I'm doing. And so that makes you kind of doubt like, shoot god are you sure like i'm just confused and i feel like i suck at this and am i even making a difference i remember this one time this was hilarious uh i'm at this i'm at the youth group right so i'm volunteering at this youth group this is when i was down at fort lewis in durango colorado and this kid like comes up to me with his friend his friend these two kids they come up to me and this one kid's like hey this is my friend so-and-so like he wants to get saved he wants to give his life to jesus like can you help us with that and i'm like uh yeah awesome, awesome dude i'm all excited and so they're like yeah like aren't you supposed to like lead him through a prayer or something i'm like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, i didn't know like i'm like i don't know how to do this like what like I've, i'd seen people do it before not like you know and some everyone's going to debate about that like it's praying a prayer doesn't save you i get it that's not what we're talking about but the point was like so i let him in this prayer i'm like okay uh okay i'll um, i'll say this prayer you repeat it after me that's like what i've seen people do right but i didn't know what to say so i do this prayer and i get done with it and the kid like the teenager he's like 16 right is like 
kind of looks over and he's like, all right, now, now repeat after me. And the kid goes and does it way better than me. <laughs> it's kind of like he looks at me like, dude, that sucks. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you didn't even need me, dude. You could have done this fine for your friend. And it's just stuff like that where you're like, gosh, I suck. I don't even know how to like lead a kid in a prayer to, to give his life to Jesus, you know, much less be a pastor. Um, but stuff like that makes you feel like, gosh, I suck. Like, how's God going to use me? I don't even um, know how to pray for a kid. Um, but and so there was a lot of conflict, especially like when I was at Fort Lewis, because I was telling you about like I want to be this professional mountain bike racer. Well, we had this I had this internal conflict because what I told myself is, you know what? What I'll do first, is I'll become a national champion mountain bike racer. And once I've like accomplished that, then I'll go and be a youth pastor. Because yeah. I was like, you know what, God, I want to obey you, but I also kind of want to do what I want to do. You know, and I came here to race mountain bikes. And like that, that college I went to, they were the mountain bike, the national mountain bike champions like the previous two years before we went there. So I go there and I'm having this battle where I'm praying and talking to God, like, God, are you sure you want me to go do this and switch to this other college? And and I, I feel like God like kind of like, I don't know, you could say pushing me towards that. But then in my own heart, I'm like, oh, but first I want to become a national champ. Then I'll go and do what you want me to do. And so I remember even thinking, like, okay, what I'll do is if we win mountain bike nationals, then I'll be set, I'll transfer colleges. But then I thought if we lose mountain bike nationals, then I'll stay here another year and then we'll try it again. And then once I win, then I'll transfer. I was just like, first I got to become a national champion. It was probably more of a pride thing. You know, but I wanted, I was all about success and wanting to be great and all this kind of stuff. And so, anyways, I had to settle this thing in my heart because it was like, what ended up happening is we went to mountain bike nationals and we got second place. And the team that beat us, we had beaten them every single race previously that year. And then I would call it bad luck. Um, we got second place. So then I'm like, dang it, dude. I want to be a national champion now. Anyways, long story short, is eventually I just decided, you know what? I'm just gonna obey God, and I'm gonna, and I feel like God's leading me to like switch colleges, to jump in with both feet, to like, not that it, He was leading me necessarily to that specific college, but I felt like He was saying, you got to go and like learn the Bible. If you're gonna be a pastor, go and get training in the Bible so that you can teach kids the Bible. Because how are you gonna? I don't know. Um, and so, um. It was a delight. I like wrestled over it for months, like back and forth. And it was more like internal because it wasn't like I was consulting people and necessarily about it, but this internal battle where it's like, do I want to do what I want to do or do I want to do what God wants me to do? I mean, by the time I ended up starting at that college, like I kind of told you guys about how my heart had shifted during that, that next summer, but going up into it, I was like, dang it. I don't know. This battle between race my bike, be a youth pastor, you know. So Adam, there have been a lot of things that, that I've heard you say just from stage or just in conversation that have stood out to me. You kind of put things or think about things slightly differently um, in a good way. <laughs> but one of them, I just remember you talking about how, um, you know, like that, that passage that talks about like, um, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Um, how that one is often misinterpreted. And that's one that comes to mind when I think about your story a lot. Um, how do we get that wrong a lot of the time? You know, Psalm 30, I believe Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And what's interesting is if you look up that verse in like that, and that's probably like NIV, but if you look it up in the ESV, it pretty much says the same thing, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. If uh, if you look it up in pretty much any translation, it's the same. You know how some verses, you look them up in a different translation, you're like, oh, that's totally different. Yeah. This one, it's like, huh, that's totally the same. Like, I was trying to get insight into it, and it said the exact same thing in all the different translations. So I'm like, oh, that's not helpful. But um, what what I see, I people read that, they're like, oh, dude, God will give me the desires of my heart, and the desire of my heart is I want to marry this girl. And there's this girl... <laughs> And she's, she, I'm in love with her, and I know that she's like married to this other guy. But <laughs> like, 
I'm pray. I'm like, I'm gonna pray, and God's gonna this this verse says that that God is gonna give me the desires of my heart, and the desires of my heart is this girl I want her or whatever. Like, that's kind of bad theology in a lot of different ways. But I mean, you're like, it seems like that's what it says. So it's like saying, if you delight yourself in the Lord, then He'll give you whatever you want, basically. And I don't think it really means that. What I think that verse is saying is. When you delight yourself in the Lord, meaning like God becomes the thing that brings delight to your life. God becomes the thing that you go to to find fulfillment, to find joy, to find life, to find purpose, like all of that. Like people find delight in a lot of things. And some of those things they find delight in are bad. Some of them are not bad. But regardless, like some people like music, let's say, for example, people find delight in music that's normal human thing to do but this is saying like delight yourself in god in the lord let him be the thing you delight in more than anything else it's not bad to delight in music but if you delight in music god may not give you the desires of your heart but when you delight in the lord meaning he becomes like everything to you or the, i don't know do, do you guys get what i'm saying there with yeah, that yeah hopefully the, the, that makes sense what the word delight means so when you're doing that when you're really like God becomes the thing that you find joy in life in, when it happens, I believe what God does is he he puts desires into you that are that are from him. And so God will cause you to desire the things that he wants you to desire and therefore he'll give you those things um, because they're what his will. They're what he wants you to want um, rather than you just selfishly wanting what you selfishly want. And so – what I find is that when you're really delighting in God, the things that you want are the things that he wants you to want. The things that you desire in your heart are the things that he wants you to desire. And so for me, what kind of happened is, I, you know, my des the desires of my heart was to be like a national champion mountain bike racer in my story. And all of a sudden, as I began to delight in God, as I began to like make God everything and really grow in him and, and become consumed with God – he began to change the things that I desired. And all of a sudden, more than desiring being a great mountain bike racer, I desired to be to like make a difference in other people's lives and teenagers' lives as a youth pastor. And I was like, wait a second, that's not what I desired a year ago. But as I began to delight in the Lord, he shifted the desires of my heart and they became the thing that a year before that was like, oh gosh, I don't want to do this. I'm scared and freaked out. I don't I'm like, no, God, you're crazy. But now I was like, yeah, I still wasn't that great at it. But I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. And it's like, I believe when 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 I delighted myself in the Lord, what I wanted became what he wanted me to want. And then that's like, boom. And so does that make sense? Yeah, totally. yeah completely. Makes so sense. rather than like this idea of. I'm going to delight myself in the Lord and he'll give me whatever I want. It's like I'm going to delight myself in the Lord and he's going to cause me to desire things that he wants yeah. me to want. He'll place his desires in us. Yeah. He'll yeah. He'll actually give us the correct de desires. Yeah. yeah. And some I, I believe it's possible for sometimes those are the same thing. Yeah. You know, you don't it's sometimes people think, "Well, if I want this, then it must be bad." Well, think if you're delighting in the Lord, they won't be bad. Like he won't cause you to desire things that are like bad for you. He won't cause you to desire things that are sinful. He won't, you know, when he places his desires into you, they're good. And people are like, well, I don't know what God's will is for my life. And it's like what Psalm is, Psalms is saying is if you'll delight in God for real, make him the delight of your life, then you can do whatever you want and you'll automatically know that you're within God's will. Then it, then if you're legitimately delighting in the Lord and you meet this girl and you're like, dude, I think I want to marry her. You meet this guy. Then that might be what God, who God wants you to marry, you know, but that's, if you're not actually delighting in God, then pff, you're going to go all sorts of wrong directions and you get into bad relationships. They're going to jack up your whole life potentially. Mm -hmm. yeah. Maybe I'm just really stubborn. Okay. Probably I am <laughs> just really stubborn, but uh, this is what comes to mind for myself and my story. I've always like had a heart for creating community and yeah. just uh, helping people really know that they're included. One thing that when I first started going to uh, Metro where I go to church now, 
one phrase that I kept hearing tossed around was, you know, people matter to us because people matter to God. And that was something that I really gravitated towards for one, because I felt that love and um, I knew that I mattered to the people there. And I just wanted people to, to know that they matter. I think in my pursuit of God, he really uh, formed my heart to want to include people and help them to know that they matter and that they matter to community and yeah. um, that they're important. Um, There's a point in time, though, that I was really struggling because um, I felt like I was doing a really good job of connecting people to each other. Um, yeah. But I wasn't being part of the community that I was creating, if that makes sense. Oh. Um, yeah. So there's this one point in time I was at work and I just had this, I don't know if I want to call it a vision. I don't get like hokey with stuff like that, but <laughs> whatever it was, I just had this very vivid image of me being a bridge linking people's lives together. Um, and then them both like setting fire to me, um, and burning me to the ground. And for, for whatever reason, like it was just like this thing that like tore me up. I just lost it and I was bawling at work. Um, cause I was like, that's true in large part is just like in, in a lot of ways I've been kind of like a bridge to create community, but I haven't been yeah. a part of it. Um, and for a long time, I, I kind of even resented the things that God was calling me to um, because yeah. I was just like, I do believe that that's what God has for me, but I'm not willing to actually be that, you know. Um, so that that just comes to me to mind to me that like I was delighting myself in God, you know, and who he created in me to be. But yeah. as I grew in that, um, I just hit a point of not wanting what he wanted for me. Um, and it was kind of a wild thing because that one day at, at work when I had that vivid image, I kind of felt like it was like the spiritual attack in a way of like trying to just discourage me and break me down. Um, but later on, I was like, man, I don't know. I think that maybe even that was God just like showing me, hey, this is in, in a sense who you are and this is what I've enabled you to do. Um, and yeah. You know, like he just revealed to me that I didn't value what he called me to do at all. Um, and that yeah. it wasn't that, oh, crap, like this is true of me and this is a horrible thing. It was more so like, no, like I, I want you to create community in a way that I'm not saying that God wants me to not be a part of the community. Um, but yeah. just that he wants me to have like a heart where I'm just like, all right, yeah, it's not about me and it's not about what I can get from yeah. Um, that community or what I can get from playing a part in the body. It's about having a heart that's just like, yeah, if, if people can be connected with each other and ultimately point pointing people towards Jesus and not towards yeah. myself, like that's the yeah. heart, heart I want to have. So it really revealed to me that the actions that I had were in, in a sense correct, but the heart, yeah. be, the heart behind it was selfish and the heart yeah. behind it, like I wanted to reap some of the benefits of yeah. actually following God. Um, so I guess I bring that all, all up in a way to just ask, like, were there any times that you struggled with um, what God was calling you to as far as maybe even like, gosh, God, I don't even know if I'm the right guy for the job or, um, you know, like not valuing the role that God was calling you to. <clears throat> That's a good question. Um, Kind of let me start with what you were saying is that I feel like that's why it's really important that, in my opinion, that you're actually delighting in God, that you're actually connected to God. It's really easy to start off. You're following God. You're going the direction he led you. Then you disconnect from God somehow. So you're still on that path, but you're not actually connected to God. And what generally happens, I believe, if you're legitimately following Jesus, he's going to ask you to do things that suck sometimes. Mm -hmm. He's going to ask, he says, like, you got to take up your cross and follow me, which is not like, like a cross is what you take up to, to go and die, to go and suffer, to go and get tortured. So he tells us to take up our cross and follow him. And, and if we're not like intimately like connected with him, when it gets hard, like when it gets like, Oh, dang it. This isn't about me at all. This like when you don't see any like tangible, like human benefits to what you're doing that God's leading you to do. It's very easy to just focus on yourself and be like, dang it, this sucks. Like what? Okay, God, you wanted me to do this, but how is this helping me? You know, 
And so I just think you got to be careful because it's, I find that one of the easiest things to do when you're, when you're in life is just get disconnected from Jesus. You know what I mean? If you're not intentional about it, you just all of a sudden, you, you know all the right things to say, you know all the right songs to sing, you know all that. But you can just all of a sudden you're going through the motions and you're like, wait a second. And is this like legitimately like am I delighting myself in the Lord or am I just doing what he told me to do last year and I'm still doing it, but I'm not actually still delighting in him. And so now all of a sudden whoosh, I focused on myself and therefore I think that this sucks. Ministry in general, like is hard. Some people think being a youth pastor is like would be like the, the greatest job in the world. Like, dude, you just get to like go ride roller coasters with teenagers <laughs> all day and you get to you know, go and do fun stuff. Like we do plan fun things as youth pastors, you know? And so some people have this perception of, dude, that like, when are you going to get a real job is a common thing people will say to youth pastors. They're like, that's not a real job, dude. You're just like hanging out with teenagers. And I'm like, it is like way more than just going and having fun and, and minister. Being a pastor of any sort is actually really hard sometimes, you know? And so uh, a lot of pastors get burnt out. That's why you see all these pastors that like, do dumb stuff you know the problem is when you're a pastor when you sin it's like just more public like the, everybody who follows you uh, in their church they know all of a sudden you go and do some dumb sin is if it's a public sin then everyone in the, and if you're a big pastor then the whole world's talking about it and you're on the news and blah 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 i think part of the reason for that is because like being a pastor is hard and people just like i don't know it's difficult to do that long term and if people you don't have the right people around you you end up falling into some sort of dumb sin being a youth pastor is hard in a lot of different ways and so i don't want to tell you all the things that suck about being a youth pastor but there's times when you've like invested in somebody's life like crazy you know like maybe years and years of building a relationship with somebody praying for somebody helping them through their problems, through their struggles, doing all like sacrificing yourself to help somebody else in their life, to help somebody else know Jesus. And then they just are like, whatever, screw it. And they peace out on Jesus. And you're like, gosh, this sucks. Like, why am I doing this? Like, what's the point? I just wasted a lot of time, a lot of emotional energy, physical energy, maybe money of my own, all this stuff. And you're like, gosh, this sucks. Maybe I should just go get a job at Home Depot or something. <laughs> you know? Because it's like the emotions of it and all that. And you pour your life. If you, I believe if you're doing it well, you're pouring your life into people. And then sometimes they just, I don't know, they just go the other way. They're like, screw you. Maybe, maybe they're not like actually giving you the middle finger, but they kind of are with the way they just go and live their life. Whatever, I don't want to follow Jesus. Whatever, I'm just going to go live in sin and do this and do that. And it kind of like makes you think, gosh, this uh, isn't fun. This is not what I signed up for. You know, I signed up for people to be like, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to follow you for my life. I didn't sign up for people to peace out on Jesus after I spent years investing in them or decide to – go live a different lifestyle or, or whatever. So, I mean, that's like one small example. There's, you know, there's other times when you've got parents who are just irrationally mad at you. You know, all you do is try to love their kid and help their kid and help their family and lead them to Jesus. And then you got these parents that think that you suck and you're an idiot and blah, blah, blah. And you just want to cuss them out, you know, but <laughs> you're really, you know, you're a pastor, so that's not really good. <laughs> 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 but I mean, I could go on and on about like there's stuff that kind of sucks about being a pastor that makes you question all of it. You know, sometimes like, gosh, is this even worth it? Am I even making a difference? I think that's true whether you're like a full time paid pastor or just like a regular volunteer, like yeah. volunteering and I think investing it, in just people's lives. Just being a Christian in general, you yeah, know, dude. like. Just going yeah. through that daily struggle. I, I mean, I guess amplified if you're in a place of ministry um, where that's sure. kind of like your job and you feel even extra responsible. But um, 
you know, just even in the day to day, just feeling like no difference is being made. So for you, like with all the, you know, potential discouragements and like the heart wrenching nature of just pouring into people's lives, like how do you refuel and what does that look like for you to, to not be buried by that? Mm. I don't know. I mean, it all kind of comes back to if you're connected to Jesus and delighting in him, you know, Mm. that's kind of the, I don't know, that seems at this point, it kind of seems like, Oh, that's too easy of an answer, you know? And in, in a way it is, it's like, Oh, just like read your Bible and pray and it'll all be good. You know, cause that's not necessarily helpful sometimes to tell people, but I do think it is that like what happens, like for me, it's very easy to put my delight in being successful in ministry yeah. you know what i mean like dude god's doing all this stuff through me this is awesome rather than delighting in him i'm delighting in like w- what he's doing through me or the success that i'm having doing what i'm doing you know and, and it's all like for god right and so it's all like it's not like i'm delighting in something sinful but you know it's like i'm delighting in the results when god is kind of like you no know, delight in me not in what I'm going to do for you or what I'm going to give you or what I'm going to get, whatever. And so that it's very easy to just like get sad because you're delighting in the results rather than in God himself. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And so for me, it's like, number one, when that discouragement or whatever happens, like, am I actually connected to Jesus? Cause if not, that's what I got to go back to first. Number two is, I just think you just got to persevere, you know, like, like I said earlier, sometimes it's just, I think if you are doing what God has called you to do, it's not always going to be easy. He's going to ask you to take risks. He's going to ask you to do things that are uncomfortable. He's going to ask you to do things that are hard. And so if it's all just like smooth sailing, it's kind of like maybe you should, if you're living your life and it's all good, that's not bad that it's all good. But um, if it's always, all smooth sailing then maybe you're not actually like following god because he leads us to go to places that are not always comfortable if you will so number one make sure you're connected to god uh number two i just i don't know this i just persevere (laughs) i don't know you just got to not give up easily you know i think a lot of times people just give up too easily and their day just wimp out you know they're like, I'm going to do this great thing for God, or I'm going to God tell me to do this. And then I'm like, wait a minute, why'd you quit? Like if God was that, if that was actually God leading you to do that, why'd you quit that? Because now are you disobeying God? And we're like, oh, I changed my mind, or God didn't really want me to do that. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. You know, for me, I know, like, I'm pretty like certain this is what God has called me to do. So no matter how much it sucks, I'm just going to keep going. And so it helps to have friends in your life that are going to encourage you. You know, it helps me to have a wife in my life who's awesome and going to encourage me and tell me that I'm awesome even when I suck, <laughs> you know. Um, but I, and again, I just like, I think if you keep going, then all of a sudden now I'm investing in other people's lives. And these things that discourage me sometimes get balanced out by, oh, now I'm, I don't know. I just, as long as you, continue to do what God's called you to do. Hopefully you'll get to see some results, but I don't know there's some people who in the Bible, like Jeremiah, who God was like, Hey, you're going to serve me for like 40 years and you're not going to see any fruit, you know? And he's like, Oh, this sucks. You know, <laughs> um, sometimes it happens, but it's like, are you doing it for, for the results? Or are you doing it because that's what God wants you to do? I don't know. So that's not really, I don't know if that's helpful or not, but I think sometimes you just got to have some guts and persevere and have some be uh, too legit to quit. <laughs> there was a point in time uh, quite a few years ago when I saw a lot of like huge breakthroughs with friends, um, yeah. just really clicking with uh, with their walk with Christ. Um, and uh, it was just like a really cool time of seeing a lot of growth and it really got me pumped up. Um, but at that, at the same time, I was seeing friends that were just like going through very, very, very heart wrenching mm-hmm. times and just being completely buried by life. And, uh, even like suicide attempts around that time and just getting caught up into 
crazy stuff, uh, like sleeping around, having one night stands, um, like good friends of mine that I even had to call out at different points in time. And it, it just, it sucked. Um, but there was a buddy of mine that, uh, like he could just tell that like all that was weighing on me a lot. And, uh, I mean, not that it was wrong for it to weigh on me, but it was affecting me more than it should have. Um, and he just called, called me out one time and he was like, Hey, um, I just noticed that you're so affected by other people's choices, you know, and I just, I just think that that's a little bit off. And, uh, God really spoke through that and showed me that, you know, like I was so focused on delighting in the results, just like you said, um, whether they're like good or bad, you know, like, um, and, uh, God just spoke to me that, you know, like I'm working, you know, whether you can see it or not, you know, and like, that's something that you can delight in, you know, like my desire is not for these people to make messes of their life. You know, like I'm not letting go of them. I'm still tugging on their hearts, you know, um, and just resting in the fact that God is still being God and God is still being good, even when Mm -hmm. things are very difficult and it's okay to really like have a, a broken heart towards them and for them. But, um, yeah, just recognizing that like God is my delight just like you said, and, and not, yeah. not the results or like what I perceive to be happening, but just trusting that, um, a lot of the time when people are just making messes of life, um, when I make a mess of life, it's that God is tugging hard and we're just pushing back that much harder. So it yeah. just looks crazy. So what do you got, Calvin? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, like, even listening to, like, what Josh was saying, I mean, I was just, like, kind of just convicted over here. <laughs> just, like, in my own, like, just getting myself together. Um, in a way, like, doing ministry stuff, like, inside and outside. Because, I mean, like, you know, then, too, you have family, friends, close friends that you want to see come to Jesus, friends that you've brought to church that have even brought you to church, but are now just, like, wrestling or at a point where they just don't care and, you know, I feel the weight of that, of what Josh was talking about, because you care so deeply for those people. Like, you know, you know what's on the other side, you know what I mean? And you want them to walk into that with everything inside of you. But yeah, so it seems like they're just bucking so hard and like, you know, becoming more and more miserable. Yeah. And like, you know, it does it does weigh on you as a person because you care about them. That weight's there. But you're not to be so easily affected. I feel like for me, it's something I need to repent of. Even like as you mentioned that, because um, I need to just be focused on the fact that God is working, whether I see that or not. And for me, like I, I get in a point where like if I don't see fruit from something, it's easy for me to get discouraged about it. Yeah. And kind of just like back away and see where fruit is growing and go to that. <laughs> you know, that's yeah, not where you're being called or. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's that's like that's that's an issue for me. And like what the Lord is trying to grow in me, I feel like is like a sense of steadfastness, like, you know, be faithful to it. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of like what I was feeling there in the moment. So it doesn't necessarily play into the question, but yeah, that's that's where I, my heart I mean, is. I don't think that's all bad. You know, I, I think the fact that, that it affects you guys, that people that you love are doing dumb stuff with their life. That's means you actually care about them. Yeah. You no. Know, so I don't think it's bad for you to be like, oh, I'm all torn up because my friends are being idiots. Like if you didn't, if you if it didn't affect you at all, it'd be like, I don't know. It's like, Oh, I guess you don't really care about those people, you know, or whatever. Just let them, you know, ruin their lives. Who cares? Whatever. It's their life. Like if you have that attitude that I just think it shows you guys' hearts for people. And then that's awesome. And that's why God uses you guys in other people's lives is because you do actually care about them. But you know, um, when you care, then it hurts more when, people abandon you or abandon God or do dumb stuff. You know what I mean? Like I think that's happened with Jesus. You know, I think it broke Jesus's heart when his disciples went and did dumb things. Yeah. You know, it's like the, the classic story of like, well, Peter is denying Jesus and it doesn't necessarily say this in the Bible, but you like, you have seen it maybe in movies or you pictured this in your head where, where Peter denies Jesus for the third time and the rooster crows. And then I envision they like lock eyes, right? And Peter sees Jesus. And the Bible actually says that Peter went away and he like wept bitterly 
over that because he realized, oh gosh, I just let Jesus down. But I could imagine that broke Jesus's heart too. You know, when he saw him and he was like, oh, I don't know. Like Jesus knew he was going to do it. He predicted it. He's like, hey, dude, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, shut up. I'm not going to do it. Well, even though Jesus knew it was going to happen, I think it broke him when it did happen. You know, and he that was all part of he's enduring all this sin and junk for us. But I don't know. I think when you're lined up with the heart of God, you're going to actually care about people. Cause like you said, Mozug is cause God cares about people, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't think you need to be like, I need to re you're like, I need to repent of this because so I don't know where that line is of yeah. like, we're caring too much and letting that affect <laughs> too much because you want it to affect you. If it doesn't like, you got no heart, you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same point, you just, I think it goes back to, uh, you got to just know what God wants you to do and do it. Mm-hmm. For, for me, the line um, was living in defeat over it. You yeah. know, not just being affected, but like yeah. having this like defeated attitude over it. I know. Um, doubting God's power or like, you know, if he was able to in a moment or like if he was even doing anything at all. Like, you know, though you pray and though you constantly pray and ask him and ask him, like, just not seeing it. So I can see, like, where you're coming from with that. Just a defeated type attitude. That's crazy. Makes me think of uh, there's this, this kind of famous story in the Bible where Jesus turns water into wine. You guys might have heard it before. But uh, <clears throat> there's this wedding happening, right? And so Jesus' mother, Mary, uh, she goes up to him and she's like, Jesus, you got to do something. Uh, we're out of wine. This this wedding, they're out of wine, and he's like, "What do you mean, woman? Like, wh- why you bother me with this?" You know, and so, ah, man, I'm trying to remember this story. I haven't I haven't looked at this for a long time. But so what happens is, Jesus' mom, she goes over to these servants. She says, "Hey, see that guy? That's Jesus. Whatever he tells you to do, do it." And I feel like. If we would take that attitude of like whatever he tells you to do, just do it, then you'll be okay. You know, and they're like, what? And he's like, all right, go get these jars and fill them up with water. And they're confused. Like, what? Why do you want us to fill these big things up with water? That doesn't didn't even make sense like what Jesus was asking these guys to do. But because they did it, boom, this miracle happens and Jesus saves the day. And now it's in the Bible and the whole world knows about it. And it's this cool story that we get to tell. But I think at the core, if we will take Jesus' mom's advice to these dudes, like, hey, whatever he tells you to do, whatever God tells you to do, do that. And if you can make sure that what you're doing is actually what he wants you to do, then it's you can be confident even like if it sucks, if the results aren't there, like, well, I'm doing what God wants me to do, so I'm okay with that. Like even yeah. – I don't know. And I think when you are delighting in the Lord – you'll actually, you'll be okay with, well, I know I'm doing what God wants me to do. So I'm going to leave the results to him kind of. Yeah. Um, there's a point where it just really hit me that I'm called to be obedient. You know, I'm not called to see any results, you know, and the fact that sometimes God does let us see the results, like he doesn't have to do that ever, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but the fact that he does let us see it is like icing on the cake straight up. Um, and that's like, that's even an, an additional display of grace, you know, um, yep. there have been so many times looking back that, um, I didn't see results for things. And the fact that I didn't, even though it was frustrating as crap and like discouraged me, um, like it, w- it would have been like a prideful thing if I would have seen results at that point in time, you know, like it wouldn't have actually encouraged me and like strengthened my yeah. faith in God. If anything, it would have made me feel like, all right, like, you know, like I did something right, you know? So even, um, there've been a lot of points in time where, um, I was like really striving for something and like really being bummed out and discouraged over not seeing the results. And then there'd be a shift where I just didn't care about seeing results anymore, you know, because I was just like, shoot, I'm not doing this to see the results, you know? Um, and then like shortly after, (laughs) like God would, let me see the results, you know, almost like he was just like, yeah, your heart wasn't prepared to see that, you know, if you would have seen that at the time, like that would have 
just made you more of a more of a prideful butthole you know but like (laughs) but just like it was it was his grace that like withheld me seeing that uh so that i could like be prepared to receive it in the first place i don't know it's just cool to me amen dude any closing thoughts that you have on that topic well, I got a whole sermon series prepared, so if you guys could stick around for the next four and a half hours, <laughs> it's just gonna be a long podcast. No, um, gosh, I don't know. It's here's what's on my mind right now because we actually just I actually just finished a series with my middle school kids talking about like emotions as related to your faith, you know, and it's very easy for people to. Like the idea of delighting in something has an emotional element to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think there should be – if you are legitimately delighting in the Lord, there should be times, not all the time, but there should be some times when you actually like have emotions for God. Like you're feeling close to God and you're feeling excited about knowing God and all this kind of stuff. You know. But I think emotions are good, and if you have zero emotions towards God – I don't know, man. I don't think you actually understand the depth of his love for you. But the problem is a lot of us become more too much like it becomes all emotions. And we're like, well, if I'm not feeling it, then I don't know. I just I'm not like I feel like I'm not connected to God because I'm not feeling God. I'm not like experiencing the emotional presence of God, if you will. And people then they mistake that as like, well, um, I'm not feeling God, so I must not be close to God. So I must not, I don't know. And they like kind of dismiss the whole thing. And I don't even know what God wants me to do because I'm just not feeling the emotions. And so I would challenge people that as you try to delight in the Lord, don't let it just be an emotional delighting in the Lord. I mean, that emotion is awesome when it happens, but sometimes it doesn't happen. Like I, I talk about how right choices eventually bring right emotions, but not right away. Sometimes. Sometimes it goes years and you're not like feeling any emotional attachment to it. So all that to say that um, as you delight yourself in the Lord and as you try to like figure out like as he puts desires into you, sometimes there'll be emotions attached to that and sometimes there won't. Some, But you have to know like it's deeper. I believe when you really delight in God and he really puts desires into you, those will be deeper than just emotions. If you know, like, I know this is what God wants me to do, it's not just an emotional thing. Like, for me, there's been times when I thought I should just quit being a youth pastor because whatever. And if my decision to do that would have simply been an emotional decision that I made on a mission trip, I would have quit. Because my delighting in the Lord went far deeper than emotions, then my obedience to him is far deeper than just an emotional obedience. So like, I'm going to obey God when I feel like it. And when I feel like sinning, I'm going to go sin, you know? And so I would just say, man, delight in the Lord. Um, but be careful not to rely on your emotions. Like we're talking about results of God doing stuff. Some people look rely on like, I want the emotional results of delighting in God. And when that doesn't happen, keep going, keep seeking him, keep looking for, keep delighting in him even when you don't have the feelings. So I don't know, but uh, I would just say figure out what God wants you to do. And if you haven't figured out what that is and keep trying to figure it out, keep trying to delight in God. And I think that eventually he'll put some desires into your heart and then just go and do them, you know, and it might be awesome and you'll change the world. It might suck. And you'll be like, what the heck? And then Jesus will be like, oh yeah, remember me? I went and I told you to pick up your cross. And so sometimes it's going to suck. Sometimes it's going to be awesome. But uh, if you're delighting in God, you'll be able to know, hey, I'm in God's will. And so, Thanks so much for sitting down with us, man. Appreciate it. You're yeah. welcome. Thanks so much for inviting me to it. It's awesome to uh, be talking to you all the way from Colorado. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, man, I don't know, like it's been cool seeing, you know, like you as a youth pastor here for so long. Um, But like, I mean, personally, you had a huge impact on me. There are times all the time that I'm telling stories about the door bands and, you know, like, um, (laughs) well, I I mean, I'm just saying like as uh, modeling, you know, obedience, you know, even uh, your move out to Colorado when things were really good here, you know, um, that you like left well, you know. 
Um, and yeah. in large part, like that totally goes along with like delighting yourself in the Lord, you know, um, that, you know, it, like I think circumstantially and even feeling wise, like there wasn't yeah. like a desire to leave, you know, but just yeah. following what God had for you, you know? Um, yeah. and that's something that to, to me stands out, you know, and to other people stands out. So oh. I don't know, like God, God does, God does a whole lot through you. And, uh, Amen. thanks for being a, an example of that. You and Katie. You're welcome. And uh, dang, <laughs> I've met a lot of people over the years being a youth pastor and had a lot of youth leaders. Very few of them are as legit as these two dudes right here, as you guys. Josh Mozog, Calvin, man. If you don't know them, these guys are the real deal. So just know that if anybody's a legit follower and servant of God, it's these podcast hosts right here. All glory to God, man. Indeed. He's faithful. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Sorry, I feel like a loser because I haven't actually listened to the podcast. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast one time and the guy's like, so like, what do you think of, what do you think of my, this podcast? And the guy's like, uh, (laughs) so I'm glad you didn't ask me that. (laughs) (laughs) Love that guy. So, so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, if you want to check us out on Facebook, you can add us on there. Subscribe on iTunes or Feedly. That would be great. And uh, there's a little support tab on the letguidedie.com website. If you want to help us out financially, you can make a monthly subscription. You don't get anything for this subscription other than our love, which you get anyway. Um, But if you want to help support us. and help keep this going that would be amazing and we'd appreciate it a whole ton so thanks again and that's it